It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor, while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with us this evening. Tonight is just a slightly different show. It's going to be part Hollywood dish and part sex and education over the last 50, 60 years. So... I believe my guest is on, and my guest this evening is Lorraine Brodick, who is the I author am. of... Hi, Lou. How, how are you? I'm very good, and for some reason, you have faded out. <laughs> oh, really? Can oh, you dear. hear me? I can hear you just fine. Excellent. All right. Okay. Now, let okay. me... Let, let's make sure, and I'm going to... Gonna... Can you hold one minute, Mrs. Lou? Sure. All right. How's that? Sounds good to me. Sabrina, does everything sound good good from your side? (laughs) I'm fine and you're fine. Okay. I'm ready to (laughs) go. Okay. Here we go. From the top again. My guest this evening is the author of a... An insider's view of Hollywood and A-list Beverly Hills, and the thing that's so great about it is because she could be, as her friend described her, a nobody, she could do things unobserved by others but have and see the entire landscape and world. So, as I said, Lorraine Brodick is my guest. Her book is A Nobody in a Somebody World, My Hollywood Life in Beverly Hills. So. Before we get started, Lorraine, why the title of the book? (laughs) Well, that would be due to Irma Bombeck. Now, Irma Bombeck was a very well-known humorous columnist, and it started when she came up with this great idea when we lived in Arizona to, she thought, a family vacation between our family, the Brodecks, and the Bombecks, to hike down the Grand Canyon and take the river rafting trips down the Colorado River. Mm -hmm. Now, that required uh, like a 13-mile hike down the Bright Angel Trail. And that's the switchbacks, right? (laughs) Yes. And her other great idea was that we would do this in August. So August in 
and Arizona, you can count on it being between 115 to 120 degrees. So what happened was we got everything scheduled. This was going to be super fun as far as Irma was concerned. So we hit the trail, and of course, Bill Bombeck, her husband, was a jogger, along with her kids, Matt and Andy and Betsy. So they took off and left Irma and I in the dust. And as we got toward the bottom of the trail, by that time, there was no shade, no trees, and the kids had taken the water. Oh, that's a problem. (laughs) It's a big problem. So... Irma, and many people didn't realize this, but what caused her death was polycystic kidney disease. She was undergoing a kidney transplant in the 90s, and it didn't take. And that's what caused her demise. But I was always attuned to the fact that her kidneys were not good. So now we didn't have water. We're at the bottom in pure sand. It's 120 degrees and her knees buckle and she falls over. The worst part is at that point, I too did the same thing. And what it was was sunstroke. So the two of us decide as we're lying there dying that we're going to roll under this rock. And she lies there and she says to me, okay, I can see the headlines now. Famous newspaper columnist, humorist, and TV celebrity dies on trail with little unknown person. So that's the title of my book, A Nobody. So that, that, is, that was where... That came from, but you also, now, in and, and having read your book, you also, when you did at, at a form of a eulogy at her service, you, you did use that same line, did you not? I did. Um, the family, <laughs> we're all friends today. Interestingly, we, I just saw Bill, and we were to get together with Matt, this week and he has the flu so we couldn't so we have remained really dear friends all these years and the family asked me uh to tell that story because in effect Irma wrote her own obituary and so that's what I did I followed Phil Donahue Oh, and really? when I walked up, he looked at me like the little unknown person that I am, you know. It, but it was fun, and it and it was and it brought smiles to the family, and that's what it's all about. Truly. And now here's the thing: you also have, as an author and someone who you know works with, writes more like with a. Um, sort of like the wry eye of looking at something with a comedic bend. What I thought would be fun for this show, as I said, part dish and part sex evolution, is when is to talk about the things that you saw growing up in Hollywood, growing up in Beverly Hills with the A-listers, and we will get to that. But what I'd like is, because I think that what 
you did not stress when I first spoke to you and I got out of your book is the long career that you had in production, being part of the studios, and seeing all of these things. But there's that little quote that you did in your introduction, and I wondered to myself, did Jonathan Winters actually tell you to take those little pictures with your mind? (laughs) He actually did. He was the funniest man, and if anyone who knows Jonathan Winters, he was always on, as they say. He was <laughs> always, he was the most charismatic man and doing routines. Um, I met Jonathan when I was in charge of, I had created the Warner Brother catalog where mm-hmm. they featured merchandise from their films, their TV shows, Murphy Brown films, Batman. I did I worked on the original Batman with that famous uh, yellow logo the on yellow the black logo, shirt. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Looney Tunes. That's Bugs Bunny and Tweety and Porky Pig. And so Jonathan had a Warner book uh, called Winter's Tale. So we featured it in the catalogs. He was. Terrific. So what in the catalog, I would get the celebrities to model or present their own works, whether it was records or film or television. And that was kind of the fun of the catalogs at the time. So Jonathan was what we would call modeling with his winner's tale, and he was taking on the persona of Santa Claus as well as Mrs. Claus to model. (laughs) And he was the most outrageous character, and that's what he told me. He said, you know, you have to treat your brain. If you're thinking humor and comedy, your brain is a little camera. And you just go around every day, and when you see things that are outrageous, you kind of snap them and take a Mm -hmm. mental picture. Irma, on the other hand, had always said, and if you don't remember it in the morning, (laughs) it wasn't that funny. But we played tennis with Jonathan, and so he was a friend. Mm -hmm. No, he's, that, uh, that, that comment to me was just sort of, it was so insightful of being, and as you say, that in your introduction, one of the things about being someone who people don't know who you are is you can operate below radar. And so you do get to see everything, and which is now why we have the world that we do, which is all the people who no one knows who they are. They're the people with all the cameras taking all of the pictures, and they're all the paparazzi. Correct. And, and so then they're going after, they're hounding everyone like, you know, like there's no tomorrow to the point where you can't, if you do anything, they're going to find you. And when we were first, now we have one minute until our, our first break here. And then I want to, you know, when we come back um, after the break, I'd like to go into the areas that we had discussed of what's the same, what's different in the area of uh, things that we learned about sexuality from how when you grew up and how people are now. But we talked about um, uh, Lionel Richie 
saying if they had had paparazzi around when I was going through all my stuff, he said, I wouldn't have had a career. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. But the important thing about what you've done is you've captured the heart of what it was like to be someone. And because this was your world, you weren't an observer of something else. It was your world. So my guest tonight is Lorraine Brodeck, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about sex in Hollywood and Beverly Hills with the A-listers. Please stay with us. We will be right back. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style, along with an innate ability to form connections with people, gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, again, this is Lou Paget, and my guest this evening is Lorraine Brodeck. And having the long career that she did in production and being part of the, the studio system, one of the things I said to her, I said, okay, what about sex on movie sets 
and productions. Because as I was first told about this, this gentleman said, here's the thing that happens. People are on a set and the director says, fall in love. So they do. But then the director doesn't go like this, cut, fall out of love at the end. And I have seen numerous, I mean, we all have numerous instances where this has happened. And Lorraine, you were, you, I mean, you saw it on a probably a more regular basis than those of us who are just observing from media. Am I correct on that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, you had one when you were doing the, uh, was it Transylvania 65000? Yes. Did I get that back? Probably. It's a cult film now, but I think Siskel and Ebert sat on their thumbs. <laughs> it was a major thumbs down on that movie. The interesting thing about Transylvania 65000, it had incredible A-lister actors. And that mm-hmm. was Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, uh, John Biner, Carol Kane, and it just kept going from there. Ed Begley Jr. And uh, my husband always teased that that particular movie, uh, there were more breakups and divorces. <laughs> you know what? Because after that's that funny, movie, because Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, who was married to another person. You know, I'm not really sure about that, but I think Gina was, and that's where they met, was on Transylvania 65000. But I remember seeing pictures of Jeff Goldblum from years ago, and he, this is before, um, what was the one with the, the American kids and everyone, and everyone, oh, it's the huge ensemble cast that he was part of, and I think he was the guy who died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, the long and the short is I remember seeing, oh, he had been married to someone previously. But the important thing here is we are looking at people thrown together and, you know, the, the, the fall in love occurs. Then And then you also had, was who's the other gentleman who ended up marrying the woman on that uh, set? From that set, well... Uh, Jeff and Gina eventually married. Right. They married probably, I can't give you exactly how long, maybe a year or two after uh, production of Transylvania. And they uh, used to (laughs) tease uh, Tom by calling him Cupid. My husband was the producer of that particular film. Right. You have to keep in mind, too, Lou, that many of these movies are shot in very distant locations. This Mm -hmm. particular film was shot in Zagreb, Yugoslavia. So there's a problem there with distance. And if the family unit or the marriage isn't that solid or the partner can't visit, it can be... A problem now with Tom and I, we've been married fifty-two years. Hello, congratulations! So it, it, it the marriage, the sex, the relationship, the friendship—it all comes down to how solid it is. And um, but there were a lot. Ed Begley Jr. Now these the the cast were 
fabulous. We adore mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, Ed Bagley Jr. But when he returned to the States, then his marriage kind of crumbled, and he remarried, but not anyone who was on the production. John Viner, on the other hand, also met a Yugoslavian woman who was acting in the film, and they Mm -hmm. were married with very short time after the film, and that marriage did not last. He brought her to the United States. (laughs) So it, it can be fraught with with um, sexual innu- innuendo and changes in relationship because you're so distant from the spouse for so, such a long period of time. And, and, you know, we're seeing that also, Lorraine, for those of us who work in the area of sexuality and deal with relationships, as a result of all of the continuous deployments within the military, the astonishing... Mm-hmm divorce mm-hmm. rate in the military. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it just, is. It's, and it's, it's, Tom and I were featured, oh my gosh, I, it, it was in the 70s in, mm-hmm. Cosmo, in Cosmo, in Cosmopolitan, and it was an article right? on commuter marriage. And because he was gone on location a lot more than he was home. So mm-hmm. it really takes the spouse on, you know, on the home front to keep everything solid. Now we have Skype, and Skype yes. is a great benefit because you can have the picture of the person on the other end and what they're doing, and they can take and you can their watch their and, face. Yeah, you can see their face. They'll show you the hotel room. <laughs> Right, exactly. So well, this is like, where I'd like you to be, and you know, <laughs> what, what exactly. you know. However, and, that, but and, you know what? I, what no, I'd like to. Yeah, go ahead. and I was going to say, and there's no one in the bed, honey. <laughs> oh, really? You know what? I just saw these two realtors who had listed this home at somewhere on the East Coast. This home had been listed. They were supposed to be selling it, but instead, the closed circuit TV that the guy who was the owner had set up caught them on numerous occasions having sex in his house. Oh, dear. I'm like, I'm like, people, 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 you can't be that dumb that you didn't know that they had a, you know, uh, a camera system. But here, let me ask you, we're, given that, you know, this show has a focus of sexuality and relationships, and we all know that we're going to learn about these things. Uh-huh. Tell me, okay, here you are. You are a teenager growing up in the 50s in Beverly Hills? That's correct. What were, let's ask this question, what and or who taught you about sexuality? Okay, now here's the scary thing, because at that point, you figure I'm going to become a teenager in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And the 50s, fathers were very dominant in the household. We've seen that in all those old sitcoms, you know, Ozzy and right. Harriet, <laughs> Lucy right. and Desi. And particularly, I have found, even with my friends in those days, 
the father, it was almost like they had a shotgun at the front door. Don't you dare get pregnant. You're going to be disowned. But the thing is, we okay, so how do we get pregnant? (laughs) Right. We didn't learn about this until I was in high school, and that was in biology. And who's teaching the biology class? But a spinster woman, I went to an all-girls high school in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. It's well-known now. It's called Harvard-Westlake. In those days, it was Westlake School for Girls. But it was toe the mark. They would have maybe two co-ed dances a year. So boys weren't allowed on campus unless there was a panty race. So it was this a is, scary okay, time. So, tell people, tell people what a panty raid is, <laughs> because I don't think they You're know. Going, what? Seriously, what? I got to tell you. Okay, so there was a, a female dorm at Westlake School for Girls in Bel Air, and mm-hmm. so there, they maybe had about twenty girls from all around the world: Tahiti, Guatemala. Europe and these are and these Napa are children Valley, of, these, and these, these are daughters of very wealthy families, correct? Very wealthy, very wealthy, and name you know celeb daughters, and they would board. In other words, it was like a dorm at college, so they're sleeping and eating and living there. Well, boys, even okay. I'm sorry, Pat Wayne. <laughs> that was John Wayne's son. He led a panty raid, and what they do, you get a bunch of boys, and they all storm the school in, in their Corvettes, and they run up to the girls' dorm and see if they can grab panties. And then they out grab of the, drawers, the panties. Like, out of drawers, I trust. Yeah, and then they leave. Okay. <laughs> that, that was... It's hard and you to know, believe. It, it, it really is. You know, there was each decade has had such a massive shift and evolvement of you know what is considered to be you know the riskiest thing to do or the most titillating thing to do, mm-hmm. and you know, okay, I'm gonna we have like one minute until our half break. Did anyone make off with your panties? No, because I wasn't in the dorm. Oh, you weren't boarding. You weren't boarding then. You weren't boarding then. I was not boarding. I drove to school. My mother would drive me. You you drove to school in that great car. Now, we have 30 seconds until our halftime break. My guest this evening is Lorraine Brodick. She is the author of A Nobody in a Somebody World, My Hollywood Life in Beverly Hills. And when we come back... I'm going to find out what you feel, Lorraine, are the messages that you were given that, and the myths and those messages that still continue. Because I'll tell you, people are still being given inaccurate information. Please stay with us. This is Lou Paget, and I'll be back with my guest, Lorraine Brodick, after this break. 
This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Padgett, techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that works. So stand by for more Sex Talk when you get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. What does reboot mean? Ever wonder why your connection to the world through your computer does not work as flawlessly as most of your ability to breathe? ISP Radio Network explains the why and how the Internet works. Learn the inside and secrets that your Internet provider may not be telling you, or even want you to know. Gain the confidence to proclaim that you are no longer technically a veteran. You may call him a technic ear dead, or network guru, but Stephen Rabier, your host, is a person driven by a passion to serve people fast internet, as well as empowering internet users with simple skills to maintain their fast internet. This is ISP Radio Network, a place where internet service providers and the self-proclaimed technically challenged users of the internet meet weekly to share ideas of what makes the internet work or it's time to capture the sickness of the Amish in your own life. Amish wisdom with Suzanne West Fisher from Tuesday afternoons at 5. For central each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going. She'll cover the practicals, simplicity, slowing down, reducing some clutter, putting the right materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and facing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWestFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's, it's Amish, Amish wisdom. This is Suzanne Witch Fisher. Thursday afternoon from 5 for 4 Central on Jordan.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the fields of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Maybe a function, sensation, or something you've heard. This is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on Tokenet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Pageant. Welcome back, everyone. My guest this evening is Lorraine Brodeck, and what I'd like to go in, she is the author of A Nobody in a Somebody World. Now, the, the nobody thing really doesn't apply, Lorraine, given all of the things that you have done. So what, I mean, from the things that you did with Warner Brothers, the things you did on sets, the things you did from production standpoint, but what I'd like to ask, given that our focus this evening is sexuality and relationships, what do you, because well, we, we like to go there, what do you feel are the messages that you were given in the 50s that are still the same messages being given, particularly to young women and girls, that are there same messages that are still given? Do you think that they are? You know, this that's an 
excellent question, and um, it's, I think we've come a long way on that front. Um, It's a very complex question. When we grew up in the 50s, it was more fear. We were raised that if we did anything sexually, even though we may not have understood it completely, there was the fear of pregnancy. Um, I think Philomena, the movie, Uh, uh, talking about the nunnery, those issues were there. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're going to be disowned as a daughter. We're going to send you to a nunnery. You'll have your baby. It'll go up for adoption. We don't want you back in the family. There was not the explicit discussion of what sex was or the feelings. The feeling was if you get too close to a boy or his body parts without the explanation, you're going to get pregnant. So, in fact, I take myself there to the 50s. I will now segue to our younger daughter, who was Mm -hmm. probably about seven or eight years old, she came home from a birthday and how, and party. And what year? What year? What year was she? When she, she was seven or eight years been, old. That would have been nineteen seventy, probably about seventy-five. Okay. And she came to me, tears in her eyes. She was totally distraught. She'd been to a birthday party, and they had played spin the bottle. Now, that was also a game back in the 50s, 60s. You spin the bottle, the boys and girls sit in a circle, and Mm -hmm. whoever the bottle, the girl spins the bottle, whoever it lands on, the head of the bottle, to the boy, she has to kiss that boy. Well, it turned out the boy, Carrie spun the bottle, the boy kissed her, but he French kissed her. Oh, dear, and she had no idea. She was seven? Well, now you're going to get pregnant. Now, she's only, keep in mind, Lou, she's only seven or eight. She comes home. She is beside herself. And I sat down, and she was just crying, and I said, here's how it is. Now, what a shame that at seven or eight we have to have that serious sex talk. But it started then, and that was the 70s. And with each of our girls, at that point, I tried to correct the mistakes that my parents made by not telling me anything. In other words, Mm -hmm. all I learned was at the Spinster High School, right? Right. And then at that point... That's the Westlake School for Girls, right? And, I mean, it's still there in in Bel Air. In Bel Air. That was yeah. it. And all of my friends, and there were celeb friends, Ava Stare, mm-hmm. Fred Astaire's daughter. The, it, it, you know, it was, <laughs> we you all You said she was say, quite, yeah. she put the class, you said she put the class in class. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and um, so it was a shame. But then at that point, 
our daughters, we would continue trying to keep them informed. And at that point, when I bring up sex, I say, okay, mom, what do you want to know? It was like, okay, they already knew now, maybe too much. But now the interesting thing is, last night we were at a black tie event, and Mm -hmm. our table all sat around, and what was the topic of conversation? Sexting. (laughs) And how the parents and the grandparents at that point were so concerned about not only their kids, but their grandkids, and sexting. And Lou, it was on the news tonight, the -hmm. very same issue. And it is very concerning because what that takes away is the mystery and what is involved with creating relationships and long-term friendships. And that's basically... Three of the couples last night at the table had all been married over 50 years. And that conversation came up. What does it take to take a relationship or a marriage to last that long? And Mm -hmm. sex, of course, is the main issue because that's what gets us together. That's what we spark to. That's the excitement, but how do mm-hmm. you keep it long-term? And so the second now what, thing... So what, so what did, of these couples last evening, and I trust that your friend was acknowledged well last night, was he? Pardon? Okay, good. Your friend was acknowledged well last night, the friend that you were there too. Oh, yes. It was fun. He really okay. was, and it was wonderful. Uh, he was the head of ABC and uh, Network, and uh, Jay Leno was there, and Julia Dreyfus. So it was a fun night to honor many people who have made serious contributions to the entertainment industry. Dolby's, uh, he is no longer with us, but his family accepted in his honor. He was mm-hmm. for sound, so mm-hmm. it was great. Right. Excellent. Now, here's here's the one thing. You know, when you spoke of, if I can just backtrack one moment, you spoke of the thing in the 50s as being fear. Well, I'll tell you that it didn't really change that much in the, the 70s and 80s, particularly the 90s. The big fear then was STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, or sexually transmitted infections. And it has remained that, but the, also the big thing that happened and came out of being sexual outside of how people thought you should be was shaming. And mm-hmm. Philomena's big message is about the tremendous shaming that occurred mm-hmm. for these women and their families. And the shaming with sexuality, that message has not shifted, I have to tell you. I mean, it's no. still very much there. Now, for the grandparents of everyone who is sexting, what is the, did they have any solutions or did they have any things that they thought they could try and do or how they could address it? Because if you are only showing someone something without it making you feel good, why are you doing it? 
You know, you know, it's a real, it's a complex problem because the media of which my husband and I are a part of and our mm-hmm. friends are a part of, Right. we sat there last night and in effect, we blame the media because television, <laughs> you turn it on and it is now very sexual. There are explicit things going on that your children are going to be able to see when you're not there to keep an eye on it. And um, so it's it, it it's really tricky. It's it's good on it's one just, point. Pardon? Yeah, I'm just good on one point because. When you say it's good on one point, why is that? Well, it's good on one point because I think it shows that, you know, our sexuality is part of who we are. It's just part of everyday life. And you shouldn't be shamed, like you pointed out. On Mm -hmm. the other hand, you have the very younger viewer maybe tuning in with the parents because the parents aren't paying particular attention. And maybe they're six, seven, or eight, and they're going, whoa, (laughs) what is this? And so I think it comes down to our age and how much we can absorb. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword there. But the interesting thing was to hear people who are involved in the industry saying that they believe there's too much visual sex on television that all members of the family can see at the same time whether they're ready for it or not. I mean, you well, don't want to... Know, I mean, hey, you know, the bottom line on this is when we have kids that are being exposed to things, whether it's kids, mm-hmm. whether it's people, whether it's anyone... It's because of how easily available everything is. Now, the Internet has been great. It's had many things that have been advantageous for us. Yet there have been times when kids are being exposed to things when they have no other context, which in my mind means that the teachable moments about sexuality, parents have to be ready for them much faster than they ever expected. It doesn't mean they're comfy. We're coming up to our third break of the evening. My guest this evening is Lorraine Brodeck, and she's the author of A Nobody in a Somebody World. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Philomena messages, your first porn experience, and how messages you think have changed since you grew up. Please stay with us. I'm Lou Paget, and we will be right back. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed 
best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. It's talking smack with Beth, the real sports mom. It's one hour of hot topics that matter to sports moms and athletes. We'll be bringing you tips and advice from the leaders in youth sports today, as well as some inspiring stories from athletes and sports moms. With our own Sports Moms Roundtable, you're invited to be part of our show. We strive to educate and empower sports moms everywhere. Join us for Talking Smack with Beth, the real sports mom, every Thursday at 12 noon central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Lou Paget back again with my guest, Lorraine Brodick. And before the break, I said that we were going to be talking about how the messages that Lorraine got growing up, what had changed, what was similar. Lorraine, what messages are given differently to children now? Uh, what message? Okay. I- let's, okay, let's, let's just focus on girls. Okay, because sure. I think it's going to be easier if we don't, because I know there's very different messages that the slut shaming thing is still very happily in place, and it's there because it's the girls who do the slut shaming, not the boys. You know, and again, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, we see it with our grandson. Mm-hmm. He will be 13 next month. Pray for me, okay, and his <laughs> parents. <laughs> now, is it, and now, is it we, Carrie's, Carrie's son or... <laughs> He's handsome, he's tall, he's blonde, he's blue-eyed, and we pick him up from school from time to time. And the interesting thing is the girls are the aggressors. They are usually running up to him. Oh, and I won't give names. Oh, no, 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 oh, this and that. And so he finds himself on the defensive as a male. Mm-hmm. And my husband picked him up yesterday before we went to the black tie event. And he says, son of a gun. He couldn't believe it. There were three girls approaching him. So I, it, that never would have been my generation, Lou, or I think our daughters, because usually it was the boy who was the aggressor. In other well, words, the boy, and I mean, not, 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 let's not say aggressor, but let's just say approaching. 
approacher. Okay. Right. Approaching. Because aggressor sort of means like there's something negative about it. Approaching mm-hmm. is because someone likes you. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, there absolutely is a tr- profound difference in the girls being much more assertive, calling, particularly if it's a really good-looking boy. Mm-hmm. And I remember I said back at the beginning, I think, Lorraine, there are teachable moments that can occur at any time from anyone, you picking him up or someone else and saying, you know what, you are fully able to say, I'm not comfortable with this, and, you know, they just don't realize what they are doing is making you feel uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it would probably be the last thing they'd want to do. Exactly. But they have well, been, they have been given a message, go for what you want, take what you want. You, you know, it's up to you. And the other thing that happens, Lorraine, if there is a book by a um, uh, woman who has done a number, it, it, it's called The Female Brain, and her name is Luanne Brezendine. And what she talks about is how powerful that female attitude going through puberty, that the importance of remaining part of the gang and being part of the group. And that's one of the things is like maintaining the same behavior, even though it isn't necessarily what you might believe. And then you have the boys, and and we know from a biological standpoint, boys do not mature as quickly as girls. So Mm -hmm. not only are the girls maturing more quickly, they are being sexualized earlier. They are being given different messages earlier about their body and their sexuality and their desire and whatever. And then the boys are kind of like over here in their own world doing their things with it. And all of a sudden, boom, there is an intersect of these two worlds. And parents, grandparents, anyone who is around them has to be able to say and see and say, you know what, it's okay uh, for you to be not comfortable with that because mm-hmm. it's not something you invited in. Exactly. And uh, my husband actually yesterday said to him, you know, <laughs> you're in control <laughs> of this. And, of course, then our grandson said, you know, Grandpa, I got it. And <laughs> but... At the same time, it is an enlightening thing to witness to see how times have changed. I think that was mm-hmm. the original question. Right, that was kind of like how, I mean, how have things, you know, the, the changes and, yes. you know, are some things still the same? Have they shifted? And, mm-hmm. I mean, because you've watched three generations at this point. Yes, absolutely. And it has had a definite 90-degree uh, change on that aspect, because particularly in the 50s, um, mm-hmm. and then you had dance week. <laughs> I had to go, uh, forced to go to a Lisa Ryan dance school, and it was in Beverly Hills. So all the friends, all the boys and the girls, their parents made them go to this dance school so they could learn to dance. But at the same time, the girls would sit against the wall 
That's called the wallflower. You've heard that term. And the boys would be in the center of the ring, thank you very much, like a bullpen, and then they would choose which girls they would dance with. And son of I mean, Lou, I was skinny. I was legs from the ground to my neck. I was not attractive. So let's guess who's last to be asked to dance. That's a very hard thing to take. And um, But that was one of the things that we had in the 50s, as opposed to now, where dancing is, you know, in high schools, it's a given, you learn, you all participate. So that's a great thing. But it's been, in some aspects, a really good, you know, you know, process and how we've grown. On the other hand, it's been a little bit concerning for the generation today of growing up so fast without... Well, it, yeah, well, go ahead. Well, the, the thing for you and for your two daughters, <clears throat> the message that if I can deliver it to people, is any time there is the social interaction, there's also the opportunity, any social interaction, there's also the opportunity to have, you know, for want of a better term, the teachable moments. And the teachable moments can be something as simple as I had a friend of mine whose son, uh, similar to your grandson, mm-hmm. good-looking, they went in, he is 12, 13, he looks like he's about 15, 16, and the bank teller is standing, you know, he is standing beside his mother, his mother is putting something in, and the bank teller looks at her son and says, oh my God, you have the sexiest skin. (laughs) And first off, my friend was kind of like, what? Who says this? And her son was just cringing. And what happened is because he did not, and he had the attitude of, I don't want to have anything to do with girls. I I, I hate girls. I just, and it's because he didn't have boundaries in place that he knew how to say, I'm not, don't talk to me like this. Don't approach me like this. Uh And yet, the girls are being given a very different message and we're having, you know, this kind of like this problem of, oh, it's not a matchup. But then what also happens, and Lorraine, I see it on an ongoing basis, is these girls in wanting to be liked will use social media. They will do things that their parents have no idea that they're doing because they're doing it mm-hmm. at 2 o'clock in the morning when they're phone buzzes or their, you know, whatever it is they're using to connect. And they're maybe sending whatever it is. The lack of boundaries is a huge issue, particularly mm-hmm. in the area of sexuality and relationships. I mean, we have, what is it, 20 up to 30% in the UK of divorces are citing Facebook as one of the sources for you know, their their information to say that's the end of the relationship. Mm-hmm. 
as a grandparent and as a parent, what are the things you would like most for your children to bring forward in relationships? Well, you know, of course, Lou, if you look back, and we all like to do that as grandparents, uh, but at that point, our morals and our standards were far different in the 50s. But Mm -hmm. one of the things, uh, interestingly enough, Tom and I met at USC, University of Southern California, and I was station manager, believe it or not, of KUSC-TV, and Tom had just graduated. We were best friends. I was the only female in this uh, major, radio and television. I mean, they were all and men. I saw, and and I, right, and I saw the pictures of it in your book. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. But anyway, but the men... The guys in the division treated me with respect, and I was like their sisters. They were going to get me through this because there was a lot of technology involved. Kinescope exactly. cameras were the cameras in the fifties, right? And exactly. TV, now, no, right. Exactly. So now, Tom, Lorraine, we have we have we have one minute until the end of our show here, and okay. I want. I want you to, and here's the thing I think that does not change, Lorraine, from you to your daughters to your grandchildren. It's about love. It's exactly right. And the basis to love is friendship and your best friend. And Mm -hmm. you have a relationship built. You don't have to even live with the person, but if you know your best friends and you trust the person, that has a lot going for it. Exactly. Everyone, thank you very much for being with us this evening. My guest has been Lorraine Brodeck. She is the author of A Nobody in a Somebody World. Lorraine, thank you so much, my dear. And you can find this on Amazon. You can find it wherever you would like. Thank you so much for being with us, Lorraine. Thank you. And learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget. 